Good morning again. So here's a principle um, of Christian faith, of, of the scriptures. The most wondrous and precious things in God's creation are also the most broken. Do you know what is the most wondrous and precious thing in God's creation? People. People. And it's easy to forget this, so I'm going to remind us, when God created man, he made man male and female. Man, in Genesis chapter 1 in the creation story, is an inclusive term at the beginning. It was as if God was saying, the only way my image is fully communicated is through male and female. So God created man, and he made him male and female. And only together could they fully represent who God is. So the most wondrous, precious things in God's creation are the most broken. And the most wondrous and precious thing in God's creation is man. Male and female. Now even when Jesus, the incarnate God, is within the womb of Mary, he is already starting his work of redeeming people. Specifically, male and female. Mary and Joseph are the start of a new people. They are the beginning of a new Adam and a new Eve. They're the beginning of a new creation. They live not for themselves, but for God. If any couple has ever sacrificed themselves for God, this is Mary and Joseph. So Matthew's story of Jesus' birth is a new creation story. He's insistent, and I want to prove this to you. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, the beginning of our gospel passage says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Now do you know what the word birth means? Buddy? It means Genesis. It's the Greek word beginning. And it is the very first word in the Bible. In Hebrew, prepositions are letters that are attached to words. And so the first word in the Bible is one word, in the beginning. So when Matthew tells his story of the birth of Jesus, he tells it as a new creation story. The beginning of Jesus Christ, the birth of Jesus Christ happened in this way. Matthew is proclaiming a new beginning, a new birth for men and women through Jesus, the incarnate God. Now in Genesis, the Holy Spirit hovered over the formlessness and chaos of the world, and God brought order through the Holy Spirit. And in Matthew, the Holy Spirit zooms in on the chaos of the world and finds a place of peace in the womb of Mary. And he hovers over Mary, and he creates within her the life of God himself. And he begins to seek to bring order, a new order, out of the chaos of the world because of sin. This is what's happening. Matthew is telling us a new creation story. Now, in in Genesis, Adam woke from his sleep to receive Eve as his wife. Do you remember this? In Matthew, Joseph wakes from his sleep to take Mary as his wife. 
Now, one last proof that Matthew is telling a new creation story. Adam and Eve are the last people to experience Emmanuel and God with us in as personal and intimate of a way as Mary and Joseph are going to experience Emmanuel. God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, and now he will walk with Mary and Joseph. He will live inside of Mary, and then he will walk with them. The most wondrous, precious things in God's creation are also the most broken. And the most wondrous, precious thing in God's creation is man made in God's image as male and female. So these creation stories, Genesis and Matthew, are supposed to be read together. So I want to do that with you for a few more minutes. And here's what I hope you hear. The God who became flesh in the womb of Mary wishes to approach all of us men and women, and remake us. And our creation as man and as woman is part of how he wishes to do that. He formed you in the womb. And so your creation as a man or a woman is not accidental to God's work in your life. And it is part of the way that he wishes to remake you in his image. So in Genesis 2, we receive a zoomed-in look at the making of man and woman and their original innocence, the way that we as human beings are made to be. And at the beginning of the story, God makes man, but there's nothing in the creation that is comparable to him. Man feels his aloneness. He's solitary in the world. And so God himself says it's not good for man to be alone and he commits to make a helper that is suitable to him, that is like him. Now here's an important detail. Before this moment, man does not mean male. It does not mean male. God puts the man in this deep sleep and out of him he forms the woman. And when the man sees the woman, he sings. Now, if it's not singing, it's at least poetry. It's because of the brokenness that if I sing, it's not appreciated as much. But originally, when a man saw the woman, he sang. Now, Adam says, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man. Now there are a couple of important things to learn from this story. This story of our our original innocence. Of who we are made to be. If we ignore this story, it's to our peril. We will live a false life. So one thing that we are to learn from this story is that the man only knows who he is when he sees the woman. Again, Before this, man does not mean male. In a sense, it is gender neutral in that before this moment. Not that he was not gendered, but he didn't know who he was. Specifically, when he sees that his body is different from hers is when he learns who he is. And I know it's tough to get beyond this, but their difference speaks beyond sex. 
The difference speaks to them, telling them that they're not made for themselves to serve themselves. Think about this. They are naked and unashamed, right? They're seeing each other as they are made to be, as they truly are. And he sees, oh, this is woman, and I am man. And in their difference, they see that they're made to serve one another. Not to serve themselves, but to serve another. So the creation of the first man and woman puts in concrete form that humans are not made to serve themselves. Do you see this? The creation of the first people. God is saying in a concrete way, you are not made to serve yourself. You are made to serve another. A second thing that we learn from this story. The woman's creation out of man is not intended to create a hierarchy. It is not. In fact, it's the opposite. The creation of woman out of man is supposed to engender in the man a sense of sacrificial responsibility for her as part of his own flesh. Listen to what he says. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. How could he at this point do anything other than recognize a responsibility to care for her? It's not hierarchy. It's responsibility of care. So in some way, there is greater responsibility placed on the man to move toward the woman. Listen to what's said next. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. The emphasis is on the man taking initiative, acting. But that's not necessarily a hierarchy. It's responsibility, and often it's sacrifice. Now, this leads us to the other critical part of the creation story, the fall. The man and the woman fall prey to a lie, a lie that they can become more like God if they disobey him. It's ironic, isn't it? They fall prey to the lie that they will become more like God if they don't listen to him. God tells them what will happen to them and to future generations because of their disobedience. Now, on a positive note, God says to the woman that her offspring will conquer the serpent. He will conquer the one that introduced sin into the world. But the relations between man and woman from this point forward are going to be fraught with challenges. So God says to the woman, you will want to control your husband, but he will dominate you. I know that I'm skating on thin ice, but since I'm here, I'm going to go ahead and stomp it through. <laughs> These are the temptations. Do not oversimplify them. It's not to say that other genders don't struggle with this. But these are the temptations and the behaviors that men as men and women as women are warned against. It doesn't mean they don't go both ways. Men, likely in their physical strength, are warned against dominating. Becoming domineering. And women in their beauty... And whatever other special gifts you have as women, you are warned against seeking to control. 
back to the creation story of Matthew. Even in the womb of Mary, Jesus is beginning to restore men and women, to restore the relationship between them as they are made to be. Mary is a young woman who's not yet married, and if she is found to be with a child out of wedlock, it is likely she would receive the death sentence. But she releases all of the control of her life to God. Mary does not seek to control but to be led by God. Her response to the angel, this is in the Gospel of Luke, is let it be to me according to your word. Not control, but release of control. Notice that Mary serves God prior to any other man, but that's not to stick it to the man. (laughs) In serving God first, Mary actually becomes the mother of all men who trust in her son. And the mother of all women, too, of course. So Mary, she is the new Eve. The new woman who opens her hand to God and to serve all. No matter what that means. Now Joseph, Joseph refuses to dominate So pregnant with a son who is not his, the law prescribes the death penalty for Mary. But even Joseph knows that the law has to be clothed in mercy. It has to be clothed in mercy or everyone will be killed by it. And so Joseph determines to break their engagement quietly. But then this weighs so heavily on Joseph And so he falls to sleep contemplating what he's going to do. And in a dream, he's told to take Mary as his wife. Now, make sure you have this in your mind. Joseph has absolutely nothing to gain from this and everything to lose. He will forever be labeled the father of an illegitimate son and the husband to an adulteress. Joseph's honeymoon will be unusual at best. It will. Can you imagine being this man and God asking you to do this? Now, it's important to mention that not dominating does not mean being passive. Men are tempted toward these extremes, either being domineering or being passive. Joseph walks the fine line. He wakes up from this dream and immediately acts. We're told that he takes Mary as his wife. He joins with her in her shame, and he joins God as Mary's protector and defender in a world that is going to bring accusation against her. And then Joseph even names the son who is not his, Jesus, which means God saves God saves his people from their sins. So Joseph and Mary here are enacting the humble beginnings of God's new creation through Jesus. They're humble beginnings, but they are new beginnings. The most wondrous and precious things in God's creation are also the most broken. And the most wondrous and precious thing in God's creation is man made in God's image as male and female. And God begins his new work here. 
calling men and women to return to their true nature of sacrificial and other-centered love. Both male and female. And so I want to start with the gender that I know best, male. (laughs) Men, whether you are married or unmarried, are you using your strength? And I don't mean just physical strength. Are you using your presence for love and service? Are you initiating care for the women in your life? And look, there should only be one woman in your life who is romantic. To be clear there, hopefully we don't have to say that very much. But there are other women in your life. Are you initiating care for them? A humble and sacrificial care. Look, as your pastor, men, if you're willing to let me be so, this is one of the most important things for me. That you and I walk with sacrificial love and care toward the women in our lives. That we support them. That we build them up. Now, one of the places that it's very difficult and very important to initiate is in apologizing and repenting for all the places that you have been domineering or passive. Is that something that you're doing? Repenting, apologizing for when you have been domineering to the women in your life or when you have been passive toward the women in your life when they needed you to stand up and act for them. And if you're married or you hope to be, (laughs) Valentine's Day is not the most important day of the year for a Christian man. Year-round, you are to be thinking about a woman, if you're married, you should be thinking, this is the bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. What can I do but sacrifice for her and lavishly love her? What else could I do? And if you want to be married, men, are you taking initiative? Are you acting? Men today, it it is hard to be a man today. Not that it's easy to be a woman, but there's been so much history of being domineering that now we don't know how to be active. So men, are you being active? Are you taking initiative? Ladies, I'm so far from an expert, but here's what I'll try to say. I know that generally speaking, and I think the scriptures point in this way, you are much better at intimacy of relationship than men. Especially intimacy of relationship with God. Here's the problem. The world often tempts women to see their greatest gifts as weaknesses. And the world tells you that to become strong, you're supposed to become like the worst of men, which is domineering. Men, women, the challenge for you is to see your greatest gift, that intimacy of a relationship that the world sees as weakness, to live into that weakness and to believe with all your heart that it is a strength and that God wishes to use that desire for relationship and for intimacy for him, for yourself, and for all the men around you no matter how stubborn and bullheaded those men are being. Men need to take heed. So live into that strength. Live into that gift. 
and don't believe what the world tells you about it. The most wondrous and precious things in God's creation are also the most broken. And you, whether you are male or female, are the most wondrous and precious thing in God's creation. Are you trusting the Lord Jesus, the true Adam, who came to forgive our sins, to lead you in the right way? The way that will bring you life and joy. But in this world might also have pain with it. Are you trusting the Lord Jesus to lead you in that way? He's making all things new. And he begins with you. And he begins with me. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.